Uh, we're gonna read. Uh, we're gonna read the whole chapter. It's not that long. Uh, we're gonna read the whole chapter here. It says uh, Nehemiah chapter thirteen, verse one. On that day, they read in the book of Moses in the audience of the people, and therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever. Because they met not the children of Israel with bread and with water, but hired Balaam against them, that he should curse them. Howbeit our God turned the curse into a blessing. Now it came to pass when they had heard the law that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. And before this, Elisha the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God, was allied unto Tobiah. And he had prepared for him a great chamber, where aforetime they laid the meat offering and the frankincense and the vessels and the tithes and the corn and the new wine and the oil, which was commanded to be given to the Levites and the singers and the porters and of the offering of the priests. But in all this time was not I at Jerusalem, for in the two and thirteenth year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, came I unto the king. And after certain days obtained I leave of the king. And I came to Jerusalem and understood the evil that Elisha did for Tobiah in preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. And it grieved me sore. Therefore, I cast forth all the household stuff of Tobiah out of the chamber. Then I commanded and they cleansed the chambers and Thither brought, again, brought I again the vessels of the house of God with the meat offering and the frankincense. And I perceived that the portions of the Levites had not been given them. For the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled every one to his field. Then contended I with the rulers and said, Why is this the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in their place. Then brought all Judah the tithe of the corn and the new wine and the oil into the treasuries. And I made, tre treasure, and I made treasurers over the, tre over the treasuries, Shalmiah the priest and Zodok the scribe and the Levites and Pedadiah. And next to them was Hanan, the son of Zakor, the son of Madani. And for the, and for where counted and they were counted faithful, and their office was to distribute unto the brethren. Remember me, O my God, concerning this, and wipe not out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God, for the offices thereof. In those days I saw in Judah some treading wine presses on the Sabbath, and bringing in sheaves and lading asses, as also wine, grapes, and figs, and all manner of burdens which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I testified against them in the day wherein they sold victuals. There dwelt men of Tyre also therein, which bought fish and all manner of ware and sold on the Sabbath unto the children of Judah and in Jerusalem. And then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said unto them, What evil thing is this that ye do and profane the Sabbath day? Did not your fathers thus and did not our God bring all this evil upon us and upon this city? Yet ye bring more wrath upon Israel by profaning the Sabbath. And it came to pass that when the gates of Jerusalem began to be dark before the Sabbath, I commanded that the, high, that the gates should, not, should be shut and charged that they should not be open till after the Sabbath. And some of the, my servants set eye at the gate that there should no burden be brought into this, on the Sabbath day. So the merchants and the sellers and all kinds of uh, kind of wear large with, without Jerusalem once or twice. Then I testified against them and said unto them, why large ye about the wall? If you do so again, I will lay hands on you. For that time came for that <laughs> from that time forth came they no more on the Sabbath. And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and that they should come and keep the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. Remember me, O my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of thy mercy. In those days also saw I Jews that are, had married wives of Ashdod and Ammon and of Moab. And the children spake half the speech of Ashdod and could not speak in the Jews' language, but according to the language of the people, of each people. And I contended with them and cursed them and smote certain of them and plucked off their hair and made them swear by God, saying, ye shall, not, 
give your daughters unto their sons, nor take their daughters unto your sons or for yourselves. Did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations was there no king like him, who was beloved of God, and God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, even him did outlandish women cause to sin. Shall we then hearken unto you to do all this great evil, to transgress against our God in marrying strange wives? And one of the sons of Jehoiada, the son of Elishib, the high priest, was son-in-law to Sanballat the Horonite. Therefore I chased him, him from me. Remember them, O my, remember them, O my God, because they have defiled the priesthood and the covenant of the priesthood and of the Levites. Thus cleanse I them from all strangers and appointed the, and, and, and appointed the wards and the priests and the Levites, every one in his business, and for the wood offering at times appointed and for the first fruits. Remember me, O oh my God, for good. Amen. Using that as a title today, Standards. Standards. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you once again, Lord, for being a gracious God. Thank you, Lord, for looking beyond our faults and seeing our needs. Thank you for waking us and thank you, Lord, for keeping us. Father, we ask that you meet us here today. Pray that you move by your spirit, Lord, on each heart. Pray that you speak to each and every one individually, Lord. For you know us, Lord. You know us all too well. Lord, we ask that you use me, Lord, in a great way. Help me not to say anything I don't need to say, but help me to speak thus what thus saith the Lord. Thank you, Lord, for all you do. And Lord, we can't forget, we ask that you bind Satan in the name of Jesus. He has no place here, Lord. Has no place here. Speak now, Lord, for your servants, we hear you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Lengthy uh, <laughs> verse this morning, but uh, a couple of verses, but you know, the word of the Lord is, is always good. <laughs> Amen. Uh, as I said, using for a uh, title today, Standards. Standards. The writer of, of this book uh, has been contested, but many believe that it was Ezra. Some say it was Nehemiah, but we really don't know who wrote the book. But we know that the Holy Spirit was the author, and he used man uh, to write. Uh, as we look into this book of Nehemiah, it's, um, it's a short book, but it's so profound. Many, uh, when they read this book, they think about leadership because Nehemiah was a great leader. And there are a lot of uh, leadership qualities in, in this book of Nehemiah. Uh, in this book, we find that Nehemiah was the man of God. And in talking about standards today, we're going to look and see a lot of different things that, uh, that we, sometimes we may overlook. But when you think of standards, you think of standards it's throughout all the facets of life. There are standards in building codes. There are standards in practicing law. There are standards uh, almost in every uh, profession that there is. Uh, there are standards uh, in plumbing and standards, I mean, all over the place. And you see, when the standards aren't kept, uh, there starts to be a decay in the whole process. Uh, you know, when you're at work and you're supposed to meet certain standards, if you don't meet them, you know, you probably get fired. <laughs> you know, a plumber, if he doesn't uh, do his job and, and do the correct job and do it right according to the standards, you're going to have some leaky pipes. <laughs> Uh, you know, and the guys that build the bridges, you know, God knows we want them to do their job. <laughs> but when you think of standards, uh, you think of us, uh, it's, it's a high calling there. It's, uh, it's a level of, uh, uh, that everyone needs to meet. And just like there's a standards in all professions of life, God has standards in his word. And in these standards on God's word, he holds us to these standards. But these standards aren't to hurt us. They aren't for our demise. They're, they're not to, to harm us in any way. But these standards that God give us are for our good because we serve a loving and a kind God. 
But you see, when the standards aren't kept, that's when the problem comes. <laughs> and God has to reprimand his children because they don't keep the standards. In his book, For the Love of God, Volume 2, D.A. Carson says this, People do not drift toward holiness. Apart from grace-driven effort, people do not gravitate toward godliness, prayer, obedience to scripture, faith, and delight in the Lord. We drift toward compromise, and we call it tolerance. We drift toward disobedience, and we call it freedom. We drift toward superstition, and we call it faith. We cherish the indiscipline of self-control, and we call it relaxation. We slouch toward prayerlessness, and we delude ourselves into thinking we have escaped legalism. We slide toward godlessness and, and convince ourselves we have been liberated. These words have never been so true in the culture that we live today. You see, when you keep standards, others will look upon you as if something is wrong with you. Uh, they call you legalistic, not knowing, knowing what the definition of legalistic is. <laughs> and that is taking the word of God and trying to make it a law. Saying that, oh, you have to keep the commandments or you can't be saved. You see, that's legalism. Standards are not legalism. <laughs> but standards is what God has set for his people. So as we look into this book of Nehemiah, we're going to see several things about standards. I pray that uh, you will hear these words and take them to heart so that we can really see what God desires and why he has standards for his people. When we look at the first point that we want to look at is this, is that st standards, st the standard is the word of God. The standard is the word of God. As we look here in chapter 13 of Nehemiah, it says this, On that day they read in the book of Moses. The book of Moses is talking about the law or the Torah. And, that, and the definition of the Torah is direction or instruction. Or they, sometimes they call it the law. And some translations will say direction or instruction. Because that's what the law is, a direction and instruction. So we see here is that in, that in that day they read in the book of Moses in the audience of the people, and therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever, because they met not the children of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them, that he should curse them, howbeit our God turned the curse into a blessing. We see here is that standard was the word of God. You see, when we read the law, their, their way of thinking and practice were confronted and they saw where they strayed from the scriptures. If it was not for the book of the law, they would never know which way to go. Uh, you see, as I said earlier, is that the, it, um, the word Torah or the uh, law could be translated direction or instruction. You see, God's word gives you direction. It gives you instructions in life. Uh, the psalmist said in 105 that thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You see, this world that we live in is a dark and destructive world. And if you don't have light, you're walking in darkness. You see, this law that, Mo that the law of Moses was there to guide and direct them. And when they looked into the perfect law here, they saw where they went wrong. It says that the law said that the Ammonite and the Moabite were not to come into the congregation of Israel forever, period. You see, the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation forever was a direct quote from Deuteronomy 23.3. Uh, David Guzik, uh, commentator, notes that this command was a powerful message. It said that these Ammonites and Moabites, you were not a part of the people of God by birth. You must choose this and leave the thinking and deeds of your anti-God culture and truly join in spiritual life of God's people. Unless you leave one and join the other, you will never really be a part of this spiritual life. You see, they could come into the, the, the camp of Israel, into the congregation, if they chose the God of Israel. You see, uh, when you think about Ruth, in the, in the book of Ruth, uh, the Bible says that 
when they owned Husbands, they went into the uh, to the land of Moab and they to find bread there, and they stayed. And uh, Naomi's husband had died, and her sons had died, but they took wives of the uh, children of Mo of the Moab. And it said when they died, Naomi said, you know, she didn't have anything there in the in the part of Moab in that country. So she said, you know what, I'm going to go back home to my own country. And she told her daughters-in-law, she said, look, uh, Oprah, she said, you know, and Ruth, she said, if you go go ahead and live among your people. These are your people, and go ahead and live there with them and dwell with them. I'm going back home. And she says, go ahead, and they parted ways. They said that Naomi uh, had kissed Orpah, and she hugged her, and she left and went back to her, her people. But the Bible says that Ruth, the Ruth claved to her. She, she held her close, and she said, look, no, no, no. She says, where you go, I'll go. Where you serve, I'll serve. The God you worship, I'll worship. I'm taking on what you have because I've seen what your God can do and I've seen who your God is. And she took, she took on the God of Israel. And you see here is that this is what God was talking about uh, in the law is that the Ammonite and the Moabite, they couldn't come into the congregation unless they accepted the Lord God of Israel. Obviously, we can see is that that wasn't the case. So we see here is that they couldn't come into the house, I mean, couldn't come into the congregation of Israel. You see, it's only when you come near to the word of God that you will see God's standards. When they brought out the book and they read it, they started to see what God had intended for them. And they started to see the wrong ways that they were living. And they started to say, oh, you know what? We need to live right. I can't think, stop to think about Josiah, you know, during his day, King Josiah, when they found the law, uh, the Bible says they when they when they found the law, everybody says, whoa, you know, this is what God's word has said. And Josiah made some reforms and he caused the people to serve the living God and to keep the commandments. But you see here is that James chapter four, verse eight says, draw nigh unto God and he will draw nigh unto you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. You see, when we draw near to God's word, God begins to show us things in our lives. He begins to correct us where we went wrong. He begins to guide us and to lead us into all righteousness. You see, and that brings us to the next thing is that obedience to the word of God. Obedience to the word of God. Verse 3, it says here is that, because it, well, verse two, it says, because they met not the children of Israel with bread and water, uh, but they hired Balaam against them that they should curse them. How be it our God turned the curse into a blessing. I uh, skipped over that. But that's talking about when the children of Israel came out of the promised land. And, I mean, came out of Egypt and they were going into the promised land. And they said that Moab met them there and they wanted to curse Israel because they knew Israel was a great nation. They didn't want them to overtake them. So the Moabites hired that wicked uh, prophet Balaam to come in and put a curse on Israel. But when he tried to put that curse on Israel, they couldn't because God said they were blessed. You know that we are blessed people. You know, there are many people that try to put curses on us, but it's not going to work because God's favor is upon us, just like it was upon Israel. But he says in verse three, now it came to pass when they had heard the law that they separated from Israel, all the mixed multitude. You see, that tells me that they were going in the wrong way. They had already accepted that mixed multitude. They had already brought them in. But when they heard God's word, when they heard the standard, they obeyed the standard. And you see, as children of God, we always have to obey God. In the book of Samuel, God says that he told Saul that God, uh, the, the prophet uh, told Saul, Samuel told Saul that it's better to obey God. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Obedience is better than sacrifice. You see, a lot of times we sacrifice obedience. Because we want to get ahead in life at times. What we think. Sometimes we sacrifice obedience. Because it's, we don't want to look bad in front of other people. Sometimes we sacrifice obedience because we think it's too hard for us. But God delights in obedience better than sacrifice. 
So you see here is that they were obedient to the word of God. The people heard the word of God and they obeyed and separated themselves. They did, it's the same thing that happened in Nehemiah chapter 10. Uh, they did the same thing there. But you see the mixed multitude. It referred to those who wanted to associate with the people of Israel, but did not make a full commitment to embrace the covenant. You see, we have mixed multitudes among us today. There are some good people that we come across, you know. They're, they have wholesome ways about them. They, 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 they don't mean us any harm or any good, but, you know, sometimes those people are influencing us a lot of ways than you think. And you see, if they're not saved and they're not living for God, you can bet you can better you better believe it is that they're not a good influence upon you. You see, we sometimes our children look to sports stars. They look to movie stars. They look to all these other uh, great speakers and they and they put their trust in them and they follow them. But when you look behind the curtain. Their lives don't resemble the lives that God wants us to live. You see, these mixed multitudes, they were not to associate with them and bring them in, but Israel did that. You see, God always requires a standard of obedience from his children. And when obedience is not kept, a decline will always follow. And that leads us to our second point. And that's this, is that, a decline in standards always leads to spiritual decay. Let me say that again. A decline in standards always leads to a spiritual decay. As we look here in verse 4, it says, And before this, Elishib the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of God, was allied unto Tobiah. That word allied here, it means kinship or closeness, or nearness. You see, the th first thing we notice here in a decline of standards is that there was evil association. Elisha was the priest. His name meant uh, God restores. Tobiah, his name, meant, his name means God, Yahweh is good. Both men did not live up to their names. Here it is, Elijah, the priest. He was the man of God who knew the word of God. And he's inviting <laughs> Tobiah into the house of God, being close with him. You see, a child of God should never be close with an enemy of God. I know that's cliche as they say, uh, keep your friends uh, far off and keep your enemies close. But let me tell you this. <laughs> your enemies should not be close to you. <laughs> they shouldn't be kin to you. Your ace, boon, coon, and all that. <laughs> your enemies should not be that close to you. <laughs> and you see here is this a decline in standards. They did not keep the standards of God, so therefore the enemy became close to them. Verse 4 said that not only was he close, it said here is that, it says that, uh, and he prepared for him a great chamber <laughs> where aforetime they laid the meat offerings and the frankincense and the vessels and the tithes and the corn and the new wine and the oil which was commanded to be given to the Levites and the singers and the porters and the offerings of the priests. You see, the evil association that they had. 1 Corinthians 15.33 says, Be not deceived, evil communication corrupt good manners. And here it is, is that we see another thing is that he defiled the temple. He's sleeping with the enemy per se. And then he takes the house of God, a room in the house of God where it was supposed to be stored for the, the meat offerings and for the, the, uh, the, the holy things of the Lord for the temple. He moved those things out and he moved the enemy in. Gave them renting space. You see, he defiled the temple. 
You see how it's just getting worse and worse. Evil association. Now he's defiling the temple. He prepared this room in the house of God. And you see, the courts of the temple of God were being occupied by a man, not only a pagan, but who also had history of actively, actively opposing God's work in the days of Nehemiah. You see, when Nehemiah came to Jerusalem, he was a cupbearer over in Babylon. And he had a good cushy job <laughs> serving the king. <laughs> and he was a man uh, regarded in high, high esteem. But he prayed to God. The Bible says that he prayed for about four months. And he came in and, and, and God allowed him to come back to Jerusalem to build the wall and found favor. And Nehemiah came back and started building the wall. And over in uh, chapter two, one and two, we understand that uh, Tobiah and Sanballat, those wicked men uh, who were rulers in that area, they came against Nehemiah. They, they wrote letters to Nehemiah uh, trying to discourage him. They tried to instill fear into Nehemiah by saying, you can't build this wall. We're going to attack you at night. They, they did all type of things. They wanted to send letters to Nehemiah to tell him to come meet us out in the valley to try to ambush him. But Nehemiah says, no, my, my work is here. I'm, I'm trying to build this wall. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting that Nehemiah took four months of praying, but it was 52 days the wall was built. You're talking about serving God and knowing what God wanted you to do. And I told you earlier that the book of Nehemiah is about leadership. But we see here is that they defiled the temple. They already knew that, that Tobiah was against Nehemiah back when he was building the wall. But yet, how was he in the house of God? You know, the Bible says that, your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is, in, which, is, which is in you. Glorify God in your members. You know, it's sad to say that sometimes we allow the enemy to come in and dwell with us. When we, our body is supposed to be a temple of the Holy Ghost. You see, they defiled the temple. It just keeps getting worse and worse. But I tell you, is that when the standards are dropped... Spiritual decay follows. We also see here is that they neglected the house of God. In verse 10, it says, And I perceived that the portion of the Levites had not been given them. And the Levites and the singers that did the work were fled, every one to his field. By neglecting the tithe, the people failed to support the Levites. Consequently, they had abandoned their responsibility in the house of God and to perform, and the Levites went out and had to perform field labor in order to survive. You see, over in Deuteronomy, when Moses was speaking to the children of Israel, he told them that, look, everybody, he sorted out the land. He gave it to all the different tribes. He said, you know, Asher, you had this, and, uh, you know, uh, Judah, you have this portion of land. And he sorted the land out among all the tribes. And he said, this is going to be your portion. But you know what else God said? He said that, look, the Levites... You're not going to have any portion in the land. But he told them that your portion is in the Lord. The Levites and the priests, their portion was in the Lord, meaning that the Lord will provide for them. And you see, each tribe was supposed to pay their tithes and to give to the house of God to support the Levite and the priests. But here it is, is that the children of Israel had neglected the house of God. Here it is. The priest is out here working and slaving in the fields. He, he, he's working, trying to find ends meet because no one supported the house of God. And it's sad in our day that many uh, churches don't want to support the house of God. And I commend you here for supporting your pastor, bringing him on full time. You see, it's so important that the man of God can study God's word and, and, and give it to the people of God. Why is the Levite, in, why are they out here in the fields? Why are they working when their portion is in the Lord? You see, they neglected the house of God. And not only did they, the thing they didn't realize is that when they neglected the house of God, they neglected themselves. Who was there studying the scriptures? Who was there uh, I'm teaching the word of God. No one was there. So you can understand why the spiritual decay took place. 
The word of God wasn't being preached. The word of God wasn't being taught. They were busy doing other things. You see, they neglected the house of God. Let it not be named among us that we neglect the house of our God. They didn't pay their tithe. They didn't bring the first fruits of all their income to the Lord. They didn't just start overnight. But you see, a spiritual decline, spiritual decline, when, you, when those standards drop, that's what happens. Spiritual decay. It keeps going here. It says that they violated the Sabbath. Verse 15 and 16, it said, In those days saw I in Judah some treading wine presses on the Sabbath and bringing in sheaves and lading asses, also wine and grapes and figs and all manner of burdens which they brought into Jerusalem on the Sabbath day. And I testified against them that day wherein they sold victuals. You see, the Sabbath was being ignored in disobedience to God's clear command under the old covenant. On the Sabbath day, when they were supposed to rest and trust in God, foreigners sold and the people of Israel bought. (laughs) There it is, out on the town on Sunday. (laughs) 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 Buying and selling. (laughs) Commentator Guzik notes this. He said, at the root, this was a problem of priorities. There was nothing wrong with buying and selling only when the desire to buy and sell to make money or spend money became more important than honoring God. This was a clear way the people of Israel put making and spending money before glorifying God. Wow. He said the New Testament makes it clear that we are not under the law of the Sabbath in the sense that Israel was under the law of the old covenant. Uh, But we are certainly under the same obligation to make honoring God more important than making money or spending money. They violated the Sabbath. You see, how many times do we violate honoring God when we worship God on Sunday? It's always something new. It's a game on. Oh, I get some overtime, double time, time and a half. (laughs) Now, I understand that, you know, we have to make a living, but where it comes a point where where are, where, where are you going to dedicate some time to God? You know, it's funny. I remember when I was working uh, some years ago in retail and uh, I, I heard my pastor preaching on, uh, you know, honoring God and giving, you know, God your, um, your all and, you know, being a good steward of your time. And, and you know, I said, you know, Lord, you do you because I, I, I was working on Sunday you know, I was I was killing it. <laughs> I was doing time and a half, double time, overtime, triple time. You know, I was just bringing in the money. <laughs> but God pressed upon my heart that, you know, what are you doing here? You're, you're coming out of work half dead, looking like a zombie. And then you, 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 you pass out reading your Bible. You, 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 you're not getting filled with the word of God. And I said, well, Lord, what do you want me to do? I got to make a living. <laughs> and God says, yeah, look, I am your living. And you know. I made up in my mind that day. I said, you know what? I'm going to stop. I told my shop steward, I said, I'm stopping. I'm not working on Sunday. Uh, Do you know how much opposition came against me? (laughs) I mean, even my family like, oh, you're crazy. You know, you need to make your money. The the, the managers, they threatened to fire me. They said, oh, no, you're one of our best workers. You got to work on Sunday. You got to work. You know, they mock me. They say, oh, you know what? You know, you, you, I'm not worried. Okay, you'll be back. You'll be back. Wait until you can't pay your bills. And, you know, and I, I was thinking to myself, like, oh, Lord, I didn't even think about that one. <laughs> but <laughs> what you understand is this, is that <laughs> I said, you know what, Lord, I, I'm going to do this thing. I was trying to pump myself up. like I'm going to do this thing. I can't look like a hypocrite. I told him I wasn't going to work. <laughs> And do you know I made more money that year than I made the year before? <laughs> I tell you, God's a keeper. He's a keeper. And you see, when you honor God, God will honor that, and he will bless you. When you honor God and say, my tithes, no matter what, listen, God will bless you. You see, when, when, when you, when you, when you, put forth and you you get serious with God and you say look Lord I'm serious about this thing I'm going to do this for you you see God honors that 
But you see, the children of Israel, they violated the Sabbath. And it's crazy that they violated the Sabbath because uh, in the chapter before, they had made a promise. There was a great revival in Israel. They had made promises and, and they had uh, made creeds and they said, oh, curse be us if we don't do what we say we're going to do. And here it is, as they dropped the ball. You see, it's one thing I'm learning in life is that talk is cheap. Talk is cheap, saints. You got to put your foot where your mouth is. You have to put your feet where your mouth is. Let me get correct. <laughs> but when you make a, the Bible says that when you make a promise to God, you ought to keep it. Because God's not, not some, some, some man that you can just say, oh, yeah, I'll do it, and then you don't do it. You're talking to the holy God of Israel, the, the God of heaven and earth. And when you make a promise, the Bible says you, you better keep it. It's best to keep it than to not keep it. Because God will hold you to his word. He will hold you to his word. Because we can hold him to his word because he's not a man that he will lie nor the son of man. The Bible says that he should repent. But you see here, it gets even worse. <laughs> the decay continues to come. There was intermarriage. Verse 23 and 24 says this. In those days also I saw the Jews that had married wives of Ashdod and Ammon and of Moab. And the children spake the half-speech of Ashdod and could not speak in the Jews' language, but according to the language of the people. You see, here is that the children of Israel, one of the main things that God had told them in Deuteronomy is that when you go into the land, don't you go mixing in marriages with, with these pagan cultures. Don't you go doing that. Because when you do, is you're going to have some heartaches. You're going to have some headaches in your life. And ultimately, they're going to pull you away from me. And they're going to pull you into serving other gods. Now, <laughs> to the men here, <laughs> we know that <laughs> our wives, we hold them in high regard, right? <laughs> and women, you, you got to listen to this. <laughs> when, you, when you tell us something, sometimes we hesitate. But, you know, we love you. So we, we, we go ahead and we, oh, okay, yeah, we, we'll, we'll go ahead and do this thing. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We'll go ahead and do it for you, the love. I'm going to hook it up here, fellas, for you. <laughs> we, we, we say, you know, we love you, and we, you know, and we know that you're looking out for our good. <laughs> and, and we, and, you know, it's something about uh, the spouse in relationships between husband and wives is that, you know, you love your spouse and, and you want to please them and you want to do, you know, for them and you want to help them out there. But you see is when the children of Israel, they married foreign cultures. And if his wife worshiped Moab or Baal, what do you think he's going to do, man? <laughs> well, you know, he can stand up and like, oh, you know, I'm not doing it for a while, but. If she keeps weighing on him and weighing on him and weighing on him, <laughs> eventually he's going to be worshiping Baal. And you see, that's, that's why women have a strong role in the family. It's because of God, God called women to be godly women because they have an influence in their homes, on their children, and in their, on their husbands. And, and a godly woman is to be cherished. And you see, a godly woman is a blessing from the Lord. And women, just watch your steps. Make sure you're seeking God's face in your families and in your homes because you have a great influence there. So we see here is that they intermarried. And they eventually began to slip away. Family by family, just slipping away. You see, the priests... And the people had married pagans of the land, which was a violation of the Mosaic law. And uh, Exodus 34, 15 and 16 and Deuteronomy uh, 7, verse 3. This was extremely important in that God said that this would steal their hearts away from him and causing them to worship false gods. Worshiping false gods. That was a no-no in God's book. This was one of the main things that God 
despised and what he told them not to do. It was, it was, to, was to intermarry. Okay, you, 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 you're sleeping with the enemy there and you're bringing in uh, Tobiah in the house of God and you're, you're, you're close with the enemy. Okay, you, you're neglecting the house of God. That's bad too. You're violating the Sabbath. But the intermarriage part, that was brutal. Because you know, God started the family first. There was no, the family came before the church. The family was the foundation. And you look in our culture today and you find out that they're trying to destroy the family. Yeah. Do you know what just took the leading cause of death in 2020 in America? It wasn't the coronavirus. It was abortion. 46.6 million abortions conducted in 2020. You're telling me that there's no spiritual decay in America and in the home? You see, the devil attacks the home first. Because what is, what, is, what is this country made of? It's made up of homes. What is every country made up of? It's made up of homes, families. We look in our culture today, and it's such an attack on women, transgender, homosexuality. That's a slap in women's faces. You see, our culture is slowly, well, I wouldn't say slowly, it's rapidly decaying. Why is that? Because there's a, there's a, de there's a decline in the standards, and spiritually we're decaying. You see, as God's people, we have to uphold the standards of God. You see, God's word is our standard, not what the government says. Not what the textbook says. It's what the word of God says. This is our standard. And as children of God, we must uphold these standards. You see, they were intermar intermarriage was going on. You see, this caused Nehemiah to be extremely upset, which leads to our next point, And that's this. There was a righteous indignation. You turn back to verse 6. It says this. But in all this time, this is Nehemiah talking. He says, he's talking about how Tobiah had brought in, I mean, how uh, uh, Elisha, the priest, had brought in Tobiah in the house of God and how he, in, he in occupied God's space. And he says this, he says, but in all this time was I not in Jerusalem, for in two and thirteen years of Artaxerxes, the king of Babylon, came I unto the king, and after certain days obtained I leave of the king. You see, Nehemiah was... He had came and he told the king before he left Babylon, he told the king that, hey, I, I got to go, you know, and help my people out. And the king said, how long are you going to be? He gave him a time frame of how long he would be. So Nehemiah came and he he helped build the wall of Jerusalem and he was there and he was uh, preaching and teaching to the people and helping. every. I mean, he was not preaching and teaching, but he was there uh, making sure every, all the reforms took place and that they were worshiping God and that they they um, supported the house of God, that they weren't intermarrying and all those things. And Nehemiah was a great leader there and he was sitting there saying, to these people that look you know we have to obey God's law and keep the standards and make sure the standards are kept and he was governor there in Jerusalem but we find out is that Nehemiah had to leave and he had to go back to his appointed position as cupbearer so I mean theologians believe that he left for about 10 maybe 10 to 12 years he left Jerusalem and went back to to fulfill his duty to the king and Nehemiah says that he wasn't there. So here it is. It's about 10 to 12 years they have fell from grace. 10 to 12 years they fell from grace. They had done so, much, so many wicked things that they were back in the place where they were before the walls were built. You see, and it grieved Nehemiah. Verse 6 says, he said that he was grieved. He said he was gone in verse 6. I mean, he said he, he obtained leave for the king. And he, when he came back, he says in verse 7, And I came to Jerusalem and understood the evil that Elishib did for Tobiah in preparing him a chamber in the courts of the house of God. In verse 8, it says, And it grieved me sore. It grieved me sore. 
You see, a righteous indignation was replaced. And we as children of God, when the standards aren't kept, we should be grieved for that. When we see our brother or sister sin and we see how the world is going, we should be grieved by that. It should move us. You know, I hear, I talk to some Christians and they say, like, oh, borscht, that's not bad. That's, that's, it's all right. You know, whatever, man. You know, people have a choice. They do what they want to do. You know, doesn't it grieve you that innocent children are being killed each and every day? Doesn't it grieve you that, uh, that women are being attacked by this homosexuality and men saying that they're women in transgenderism? That, doesn't, that, doesn't that grieve you? You see, there was a righteous indignation and he was grieved. Not only was he grieved, Nehemiah took action. That's where it gets interesting here. <laughs> verse 8 and 9 says this. Well, we read verse 8. It says this in verse 9. Then I commanded, and they cleansed the chamber and, the, and the thither and brought again the vessels in the house of God with the meat offering and the frankincense. You see, Nehemiah had came in, and he, when he found out what had happened, Nehemiah lost it. <laughs> he took action. <laughs> I don't know if you remember that. Bible says, be angry and sin not, but Nehemiah was on fire. He was grieved, and he took action. The Bible says that he, he, he went in, and he threw out all the stuff of Tobiah. <laughs> Just clean house. Throw it out. You see, sometimes in your life, you have to throw things out. You know, I remember when I was young, I used to listen to Tupac, and I used to listen to Big, Biggie Smalls and all those tapes, and, you know, I was cranking it on my CD player, my tape player, and when God spoke to my heart and convicted me of his word, I was throwing them tapes out the window. I was stepping on them. You know, they're probably worth money right now, if you think about it, but <laughs> I had the originals, but <laughs> I got rid of that junk. Those those tapes weren't causing me to live a godly lifestyle. It caused me to hurt my fellow man and disgrace my, the women. You know, they, I had to take action. You see, as children of God, we have to take action. You know, when things are in your life that shouldn't be there, you got to take action. You just can't sit back and go, oh, God, you know, please, I pray that you move this from my life. Listen. Let some of the ladies have boyfriends. If he ain't no, look, get rid of him. <laughs> tell my daughter, I said, don't even look that way. Don't even look that way. <laughs> you see, you have to have a righteous indignation. You got to take action. Can I tell you the devil, he's not playing with us. He's not playing. He'll crack your head if you get the chance. You see, not only... Then Nehemiah was grieved. Not only did he take action, he contended with them. In verse 11, it says this, is that then contended I with the rulers and said, why is the house of God forsaken? And I gathered them together and set them in place. Verse 17, it says, then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said unto them, what evil thing is this that you do and profane the Sabbath day? Verse 25, it says, and I contended with them and cursed them and smote them and plucked the hair off their head and made them swear by God, saying, Ye shall not give your daughters unto this, to their sons and neither the daughters to your sons for, or for you yourselves. You see, Nehemiah took action and he contended with them. You see, children of God, we have to contend for the faith. Proverbs 28, 4 says, they that forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. In the book of Jude, in one book of Jude, verse 3 says, Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. You can't stand by and just let wickedness reign in your life. You cannot stand by and allow your standards to be dropped. You have to contend for the faith. You have to contend for the faith. 
I see those uh, protesters out there uh, with the, the signs about the pro-abortion, no abortion. You know, they're contending. I see men and women of God preaching against the unrighteousness and ungodliness of this country. They're contending. You see, when you go to work and you don't double down when people say things to you about God's word, you contend for the faith. Because if you don't contend, you'll conform. Can I say that again? If you don't contend, you will conform. And you see, we have to contend for the faith. There ought to be a righteous indignation. Something ought to move you. You see, we have to keep God's standards. I see you guys doing the catechism there. Everything's falling right in line here. <laughs> what he says here is that <laughs> the last thing that there were some dire consequences. Some dire consequences. You see, when you don't uphold the standards, there are some consequences that's going to come. We look here and see in verse 17 and 18, there was consequences there for the children of Israel. It says this here, it says, then I can, Nehemiah says, then I contended with the nobles of Judah and said unto them, what evil thing is this that ye do to profane the Sabbath day? Listen to this. He says, did not your fathers thus and did not our God bring all this evil upon us and upon this city? Yet ye bring more wrath upon Israel by profaning the Sabbath. Verse 26 and verse 27 says this. Nehemiah is talking about the intermarriage. He says, did not Solomon, king of Israel, sin by these things? Yet among many nations was there no king like him who was beloved of his God. And God made him king over all Israel. Nevertheless, even him did outlandish women cause to sin. Shall we hearken unto you to do all this great evil, to transgress against our God and marrying strange wives? Listen, this sin, you have to understand this, is that the children of Israel, they had got taken into Babylon, into captivity, because of sin. Nehemiah, many theologians believe, he, he grew up in Babylon. He never got a chance to live in Israel. He grew up in Babylon. I mean, I imagine his mother and father taught him about the ways of God and told him what they had over in, in Jerusalem, and that's why he was so burdened for them and told him what had taken place and why they got dispelled from out of the land. And you see, Nehemiah came back and he, he, he helped build the wall and God put that upon him to do that. And, and everything was going well. When he came back and saw all this mess that was going on, Nehemiah was thinking to himself like, don't you understand that there's some dire consequences? Don't you know that back in the day, this is, this is why we're in this mess. It's because of our sin. Don't you know that Solomon, he sinned, he got taken away by outlandish women. And, and, and everybody sinned. Solomon's son was wicked, real bomb. And, and it kept going down the line. And, and God passed judgment upon us because of sin in our lives. Why don't you want to uphold the standards of God? Why don't you want to keep God's covenant? Don't you understand that where you were before? And we look at us today, and we look and see how God has delivered such a, a, a great, great, great gulf there. We were on our way to hell. We were on our way to eternal damnation. We were on our way. But God, but God sent his son in the likeness of man to redeem us from our sins. And as Will McDowell sings, I can't go back. I won't go back to the place where I used to be before your presence came and saved me. You see, we can't go back. It's too, we're too, 
too much. We're into it now. God has delivered us. God has given us blessing upon blessing. God has given us favor and grace. And for us to go back, I don't want to go back. Do you? I don't want to go back to the place I used to be. And you see, Nehemiah was telling them, look, there's some consequences. You see, when you, whenever you think about lowering your standards, think about the consequences that's going to come. Husband, if you cheat on your wife, think about how you're going to destroy the family. Wives, if you cheat on your husband, think about how you're going to destroy the family. When you start sleeping with the enemy and you start taking on the ways of this world, think about where that's going to leave you. When you start listening to these politicians and you're listening to these curriculums and you start listening to what everybody else is saying, but you don't listen to what the standard says, there's going to be some consequences. You see, God says in his word in Romans, shall we continue in sin, thinking that grace is going to abound? God forbid that we continue in sin, thinking that grace is going to abound in our lives. You're going to lose that favor. You're going to lose those blessings. You're going to lose all the goodness that God has for you. And you see, Nehemiah says, uh, he says this, he says, he kept saying, oh, Remember me, oh, my God, in verse 31. And he says it again uh, over and over. He says, oh, remember me, my God. He says, remember, please don't, please don't, Lord, take away the good that I've done. Question. All the good that Nehemiah had did in helping the Jews to build the walls, to securing the city, all the reforms that he had made, all the all the good that he did to line the people up and get them back on the path to God and with his good leadership, all of that, do you believe that because of sin, God would allow that to just go down the drain? Well, the answer is yes. <laughs> all the good that the man of God has done, God would allow that to go down the drain because of the sin in the lives of the people. Listen, your pastor preaches Sunday after Sunday, Wednesday after Wednesday, Bible studies, and all the, all the good that the man of God has done to preach and to teach to the congregation of God, for you to go out and profane God's name and bring sin upon your life and the life of your family and sometimes upon the life of the church, depending on what situation it is. All the good. That was, what that had been done can be gone just like that. You know, this world is not our home. We're strangers passing through. You know, God's house is a sacred place. And we as the people of God have to keep God's standards in our lives. Because if we don't, we'll start to decay. You know, we have to contend for the faith. Because if we don't, who will? As I told you, if we don't contend, we're going to conform. And we have to understand that there's going to be some consequences. Consequences to our actions. You see, sin, sin, don't, sin don't just go alone. <laughs> sin, sin takes people with him. <laughs> And we know the author of sin is Satan. <laughs> Let me tell you, he's grabbing and pulling and snatching everybody he can. Because he knows he's going down to that lake of fire one day. And he's pulling and he's snatching and he's grabbing everyone that he can. And you see, we as Christians have to keep our standards. Our standards are very, very, very important. We have to hold to the standards. And what is the standard? The word of God. That's our standard. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. 
for all you've done. Thank you, Lord, for your word this morning. Lord, sometimes we fall short. Sometimes we falter, Lord. Sometimes we fail. But, Lord, we're asking you to help us, Lord. Help us to keep your word. Help us to keep your word. Lord, you said in your word, the book of Psalms, verse 119, verse 16, that I would delight myself in thy statues. I would not forget thy word. Lord, help us to delight in your word so that we will not forget it. Lord, we see what Israel did. Example to us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be found faithful. Help us to be found faithful. Lord, if there's someone here who don't know you in the pardon of their sins, Lord, I pray that you move on their heart, Lord. Help them, Lord, to know that you're there for them. You're standing right there in the gap. He said, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. I pray, Lord, that you move upon that heart today. I ask, Lord, as you to bless your people. Strengthen them, Lord, for the fight that we have. We know the battle has already been won. We have the victory, Lord, but we still have some small battles we need to fight. Strengthen our hands, Lord. Strengthen our feet, Lord. Strengthen our eyes, Lord. Strengthen our hearts as we commit our ways unto you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.